Sarma, honey, the difference between Serbian rakia and Macedonian rakia. This week, we're talking to Lubomir Stefanov, director of the Academy Award-nominated film Honeyland. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week we explore a different place in the world and the unique cuisine that makes that place special, plus fun things to do there. And this week we're talking to the director of the film Honeyland. I was watching this movie Honeyland and was just blown away by the story, by the beauty, and by the amazing woman who's at the center of this film. And as the credits were rolling, I popped open the laptop and started looking around the internet for who made this movie. And I found one of the directors. There's two directors of the film Honeyland. One of them is Lubomir Stevanov. So I sent an email to Lubomir, not really expecting to hear from him, and at that point not even knowing if he spoke English. The movie takes place in North Macedonia in this village that's pretty much completely cut off from the outside world, and it's not in English. So I didn't know know if Lubomir spoke English or not. Turns out he does. He does speak English, and he got right back to me and said, yeah, I'd love to be on the program. So we talk about his film, which is an amazing piece of work. I mean, he made this little documentary with his partner Tamara about a honeymaker, a beekeeper in a village in North Macedonia. And surprise of surprises, it gets nominated for Best Documentary Feature and Best International Feature in last year's Academy Awards, the 92nd Academy Awards. It's really quite an amazing achievement. But Lubomir said that he would be on the podcast, so we talked, and I don't know much about North Macedonian cuisine, but he told me all about it, including uh, the famous Macedonian pizza and the Turkish influence on the cuisine. And of course, we talked about rakia, which is so popular in the Balkans. And since the movie is about beekeepers, we talk about beekeeping as well. Now, there are a couple of times during this interview when Lubomir doesn't know a particular word in English and he asks for a translation. So you might hear in the background his co-director, Tamara Kotevska. She co-directed the movie Honeyland with Lubomir, and she was nearby cooking dinner. So you might hear that in the background uh, when she's talking to Lubomir. She does a couple of translations. One I remember in particular was she translated the word eggplant for him. So you might hear that during this interview. Before we get to that, let me ask you to subscribe to the podcast. I've noticed we've had a lot of new listeners in on the podcast recently. So if you're new to Destination Eat Drink, welcome to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can do that on any podcast platform where you get the podcast, including iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Destination Eat Drink. Lubomir, thank you for being on Destination Eat Drink. Your film, Honeyland, was nominated for a couple Academy Awards, which is an amazing accomplishment for a film from North Macedonia. But when you started making Honeyland, 
you didn't have that particular topic in mind. You were working on something else. Tell me how the movie Honeyland came about originally. Uh, you mean uh, we didn't have in mind to go to Kodak Theater? Yes, exactly. <laughs> started in the frame of a nature conservation project as an idea for first for finding a topic for a documentary which will be somehow related uh, to, to that specific area from some environmental perspective. And when we found uh, Atija and what she's doing, we decided that she is our topic, actually, and uh, to continue with her. And then we developed that, uh, that uh, initiative to a bigger documentary. It's a magnificent piece of work. And of course, honey is part of the central theme and environmentalism is part of the no, central. No, no, no. Honey is not a, not a central theme. Honey is just a part of na just nature resource here. And uh, bees are only a provider, just a representative of the nature. What, what is crucial here in this film is that uh, we, we, we both, both with uh, the other co-director, with Tamara, uh, we succeed to explain one of the most uh, crucial problems of our time in a probably most simple way. And that is uh, that we, we, uh, we've shown how a capitalistic approach of dealing actually works and impacts our environment. Uh, not uh, through through analyzing and through showing global movements or, or or influences, but in one of the smallest communities of three and a half people, right? Right. There are three and a half grown up people, excluding kids. And uh, how, when, uh, if there is a certain balance, although although the whole area is very. Uh, dry and there are no much resources, even for bees. Uh, there is a certain balance and there is enough for everybody. Enough for Atije, enough for the bees, enough for Hussein and enough for, uh, for his cows. And what happened then? Then one man came who has money and uh, asked Hussein, hey guy, you're dealing with bees, as I can see. If you give me, can you give me all your honey? And he says, no, my teacher told me that I can give you only half. But he says, hey, guy, I'll pay you more if you give me more. And that's the crucial sentence. Right. And uh, here we don't have uh, Hussein and his family. They're not negatives. They're not antagonists. They're rep representatives of uh, probably of all of us. Uh, that's that's the, the, the key point of, of that it is not environmental, it is existential. Uh, it's a more existential point. How uh, capitalistic, uh, it's a very simple word, probably it's not the right word, but how uh, when somebody came with the money, uh, things are going downhill. And it's incredibly effective the way that you tell this story of this um, of this beekeeper and what happens when um, capitalism comes into this tiny village. I wanted to ask you, Lubomir, about the importance of honey itself in North Macedonian culture, because I've been to a couple of countries that used to be part of Yugoslavia, but I've I haven't been to North Macedonia. I've been to Croatia. I've been to Slovenia. And. Yes. One thing that I noticed, especially in Slovenia, was the importance of 
beekeeping and honey, many, many people who just have a little patch in their backyard um, keep beehives and collect honey for their families. And if they have some extra, they might sell it at the local market. You go to a local market in Slovenia, there's a dozen people selling honey. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of honey and beekeeping just in general to the culture of North Macedonia? I'll try, although I'm not very competent about uh, the topic. Okay. Uh, regarding my, my, my knowledge or my informations, uh, there are lots of people here uh, in the countryside, especially in, in, in the in whole country, uh, even in western or in eastern parts or in, in mountains or in uh, lower parts. There are lots of people who are dealing with, uh, with bees since everywhere. I remember I was growing up in the center of Skopje. Now it is a city of around 1 million uh, people. When I was a kid, it was much smaller, three times smaller maybe. Uh, but I remember uh, I was growing up in the center and uh, in the in the yard, it was not a backyard, but front yard in front of my house, uh, there were uh, beehives. It was in the 70s, of course. Even now, there are lots of people who are keeping bees from but uh, mainly for for them and uh, for for the family, for friends, or I don't know. But uh, in recent times, there are initiative of some cooperation, co- cooperative, uh, I don't know, group of uh, beekeepers from some area are uh, uh, gathering to 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 I don't know establish some brand or something like that. And A kind of beekeeping cooperative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially in, in, in Eastern Macedonia, there's a uh, couple of them, oh, that cooperatives. Now, you grew up in, um, well, you're from North Macedonia, but you grew up when uh, North Macedonia was part of the country of Yugoslavia. Now, of course, yeah. North Macedonia is an independent country. When you were growing up in the 70s, what kind of? Yes, I was born in the 70s, but but growing up in the 80s. Okay, yeah, you're you're what we call an 80s child. Um, what kind of dishes do you remember uh, getting? What did your mother make? Mother, grandmother. We used to live with uh, our grandmother, grandparents also from father's side. Oh, great! So, what did they make for you? Whoa! Um, wait, I need to concentrate about this because <laughs> it's a difficult question. Uh, I, I have grandmother from, uh, I had, I used to have, um, uh, grandmother from, uh, mother's side and from father's side. And, uh, it was, it's a different story. And, uh, uh grandmother from mother's side, uh, used to live in, uh, not in Skopje, but in, in the hometown of my mother. It's Kavadacin. It's in the central place. It's one hour driving from here. And, uh, in, in U.S. terms, it is nothing. And um, she was uh, she was uh, preparing some really really old uh, meals and um, uh, specialities uh, which are really maybe interesting for you. Yes. Talking about uh, grandmother from Kavadarcin, for example. Uh, have you ever heard about you know what is sarma? No, tell me about it. Sarma. Sarma is uh, one of the main uh, meal of southeastern uh, europe and maybe wider maybe maybe in turkey also because it is a turkish word uh sarma is it is a leaf uh, from um, cabbage or or uh, or grape 
and uh, with that leaf you're rolling uh, grinded uh, meat and rice. Okay. And uh, there are uh, there are a couple of uh, couple of several versions of sarma. It is uh, sarma from grape leaves, which uh, you can find also in uh, Turkey, in uh, Middle East, in Greece. It is not a, a really Macedonian dish. It is from everywhere where is uh, where grape is growing, except Italy and Western Europe. This uh, sarma you can find it in, in Greece also. Uh, grape sarma, and there is then there is a winter sarma from uh, cabbage, from fermented cabbage leaves. Uh, that's one of the greatest versions of sarma, and you can find it also in Serbia, in Greece too. And there is a liver sarma, which is probably my favorite, and it is made of uh, uh, first chalked uh, lungs and uh, liver, lamb, uh, lambs, uh, lungs and liver. And mixed with rice and uh, and uh, some spices, and it is baked. It is rolled in that and then baked. And it is uh, for me one of the best dishes you can try in this in this area. And I remember that grandma from uh, from Kavadarci, She was preparing that uh, liver sarma, um, the best I've tried, probably. Grandma always makes the best, right? You mentioned uh, these sarma might be rolled in grape leaves. Um, Macedonia mm-hmm. must have... Even in, you can find that in New York. If there's grape leaves in North Macedonia, there must be wine growing. You're near, you're near Greece, a very big wine-growing country. What, what's the wine like in Macedonia? Yeah, yeah, there is a very famous wine region, and it is from that, uh, that uh, town, my, my grandma's town, my mother's town. Okay. Kavadars. The name of the region is Tikvesh. Uh, it is spelling T I K V E uh, S with uh, that uh, sign like V upon it. And what kind of wines uh, do they make there? What kind of grapes are typically grown? Uh, white wine and the red wine. There are all kinds of wine. It is very famous, uh, very famous uh, wine region. There are also uh, wineries like uh, Bovin Winery, which is export antiquary winery also. Which are exporting in U.S. and in not not small amounts, but mainly they're for exports. They're uh, from here. They're exporting in Austria and Germany wine in uh, in uh, in cistern cistern in uh, tanks, and they're refilling there in uh, some cheap wine, which is not good. But but there are there are good wineries with uh, with very very uh, good wines which are for for exports. I'll have to look for some North Macedonian wine in my local bottle shop. Now, your town of uh, Skopje, I was reading about some of the restaurants there, and they said that a traditional restaurant in North Macedonia is called a kafana. Is that correct? Um, do you know about these kafanas, and what would we get there? Kafana means that there is uh, also drinking and smoking and uh, <laughs> laughing and, uh, okay, and uh, everything. You, you, you will end up. It is like a pub where you can eat. Not knowing yourself. Okay. That's that's kafana. And a restaurant is restaurant. You can end up dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I go. It's Balkan uh, Balkan thing. So I go into a kafana. Um, would I get maybe some rakia? Sure. Okay. Rakia, you're drinking rakia. It's different when you're drinking rakia in Serbia or in Macedonia. How is it different? Uh, first, uh, mainly in Macedonia, people are making rakia from plum sorcel, but maybe, uh, but uh, 
main uh, ingredient of Macedonian rakia is grape. Main ingredient of uh, Serbian rakia is plum. Okay. And uh, Serbs are drinking rakia just, uh, just, just rakia to get drunk. <laughs> and we are drinking uh, rakia uh, in more Mediterranean way with uh, something which is called meze. Meze is uh, some salad or cheese or uh, olives or whatever. You need a little bit of food to <laughs> dilute all that uh, all that alcohol in the rakia. It's potent stuff, right? Uh, with salad uh, before main dish. Yeah. So it's kind of an aperitif. I remember being in uh, Croatia. First night we arrived, we were dead tired, and we wound up in a bar drinking rakia with some crazy Croatians. And boy, that was one of the longest nights of my life, but it was so much fun. Ah, without food. No, no, no. We no are food. drinking here rakia with salad. After a couple of rakias, my girlfriend was just kind of dumping it into a plant that was next to the bar. It was just too much. Um, what else could we, what kind of food would we get in a kafana besides the, the drinking? What would, would there be snacks and whatnot? Uh, when you came, for example, in Skopje, uh, there are lots of uh, restaurants on the river sites which are for tourists. But there you can find uh, European or international food. And when uh, you go to Kafana area, which is Devarmal, uh, you will find lots of places, but uh, there, on, in most of them, you will find only barbecue. Uh, but there are a couple of places where you can eat really, really good. Uh, one of them is, the name is called Chamo. It is one of, for me, the best uh, place to eat in Skopje. It is in Devarmal. And there is a menu of some five or six uh, meals. Between them are two types of sarma, of course, and some, uh, I don't know, uh, lamb tongue, uh, some, uh, I don't know in on which way cooked muscle, muscle, muscle of, uh, I don't know what, couple of uh, meals. But they're, they're so good that uh, you, you, you will eat all, all days there. Just there. That's a great recommendation, uh, Lubomir. Now, I've read about this condiment called uh, Ivar with peppers and eggplant and chilies. And uh, tell me about this and how we would how we would eat it. It looks like uh, like uh, like uh, I don't know, like guacamole, probably something like that. That consistency. It is red and it is made of peppers. Uh, just a second. Uh, peppers, eggplant, and uh, I don't know some 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 other ingredients. But the way of uh, making is it is uh, you need a, a large uh, amount in a large uh, dish. You're first you're baking the, the, the peppers, then you're you're turning off the the skin, and then you're grinding them, then you're cooking them with. It's a two days process. And uh, there are two ways of consuming kaivar. Uh, one way is to like, uh, like butter, you're putting it on, on bread and you're eating it. That's for kids. And the other way is uh, like a meze with rakia and uh, cheese and uh, olives, probably. It's a winter meze. Sounds great. I love the sound of that. It's, it's kind, of, kind of like a salsa or a chutney, maybe. It's the main characteristic of our food, probably. Uh, I'm talking about strictly about Macedonian or maybe Bulgarian or here, these countries, 
during the winter when there 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 are no vegetables people are making something which is called zimnitsa it is a salad for winter and it is uh, fermented uh, fermented everything fermented papers fermented uh, cabbage fermented and you can find all sorts of this even in germany in poland it is spread across europe not only on balkans and Pronounce this uh, this pickled dish for us again uh, that we have in the winter. Uh, it is not dish. It is a way of uh, making a winter salad. Uh, zimnica. Zimnica. That, which, which will be translated something for winter. Good, good. Yeah. So when it's cold outside, when there's snow on the ground and you're not picking vegetables, you have your... You're drinking uh, uh, rakia with zimnica, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Keep you warm. I wanted to ask you about the bean stew, tavchi, gravchi. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but um, is this a typical North Macedonian dish? First, cooked, then baked. Okay. Dried rib or, uh, of course, uh, dried uh, peppers, hot pepper, maybe. It's a good, good meal, like like um, Mexican, uh, I don't know, a bean. Not, 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 not very different from that. Uh, it's uh, the taste of uh, of uh, grinded dry pepper is is is, um, is harder. Maybe that that will be the difference. Would this be a homemade dish, or would this be something we'd get at a restaurant? Would would people make this at home for families, or in, mo- in most of the restaurants, everybody keeps mm-hmm. that because they know the tourist uh, knows about that meal and uh, they will want. They'll be asking about it. Uh, this is probably another dish that a lot of tourists ask about. Um, the Macedonian pizza, pastramilie. Uh, you can find a good pastramilie. Pastramilie is the right pronunciation. Ah, pastramilie. You can find it uh, not in Skopje, but in um, inner towns of Stip and Veles. There are different kinds of pastramilie in Veles in Stip and in Stip, but not in Skopje. Uh, uh, bread like for pizza, but with uh, with some um, the, the right word is pastramite. It's a way of keeping some dry meat. I don't know which kind of meat is that. I think it's pork meat. It looks like pizza with pieces of meat, something like it's, it's it's delicious. Yeah. Let's talk about sweets and desserts, uh, Lubomir. What are some of your favorite desserts when you go out to eat or when you're cooking at home? We were under under Ottoman Empire for five five hundred years, and um, most of our sweets are are Turkish. So we have uh, baklava, uh, I don't know, ekler, uh, tulumba, kadayev, tatlia, gurabia. These are all Turkish uh, sweets. What's your favorite? Uh, my favorite, I don't know, probably in di- at, at, at different ages, different uh, sweets. I don't know now. now Right. Now I can say I I, I I want to taste something different. Now I want my, my favorite is something new. Uh, but uh, when I was a kid, uh, my favorite uh, sweet was uh, tatlia. It is a kind of uh, Turkish gurabia, but uh, with uh, not with uh, um, with grinded sugar, uh, but with melted sugar. What about this uh, chocolate lava cake, Topo Ladno? Is this very popular? As I have heard, it is, but it is very new. And I, I must say that probably I didn't taste it. It's not something spectacular. It is something chocolate and vanilla and something like that. 
Yeah, this is something, this chocolate lava cake that took over American menus a few years ago. Everybody had it. Uh, here you can find really good uh, places where you can find first-class baklava or, or uh, all those, you know, traditional Turkish um, uh, sweets. That is something which is worth uh, here. I don't know that there are other, other types of sweets, but these are all Turkish and mainly Turkish. Now, we as Americans aren't traveling internationally right now, but before the pandemic, were lots of Americans coming to Skopje? Were they were there tourists from America there? Uh, Macedonia is not, uh, I don't know, some famous touristic destination. But there are in recent years, in recent 10 years, there are lots of tourists. There are lots of people who are working in, uh, in that business. Uh, more and more every year, more and more. So it is developing uh, industry. But uh, now in, in this situation, I don't know. It is stopped. Once this pandemic finally lifts, whenever that happens to be, what would you tell folks to do when they come to visit Skopje? Uh, besides eating the wonderful food, drinking the wonderful drinks, what other things would we do there? In Skopje or in Macedonia? Oh, you could talk about both. Because Skopje is regular. I love. I like Skopje, but uh, it is uh, not so big, not so so small uh, Eastern European city. And to fill it, you need to spend more time. But if you're a tourist for a couple of days or a week, uh, I will recommend uh, to travel across the country because it is a small country. It is easy reachable. In two hours, you're everywhere from Skopje. Two and a half hours maximum. There is very beautiful nature. Very big diversity. In those two hours, you will enter three mountains and two lakes and, uh, I don't know, four plains. And uh, interesting nature and um, interesting thing to do, to, to hike, to, to ride the bike, horses maybe. You know, you depicted very beautifully in your films and the videos that I watch on YouTube, the... The country itself is incredibly beautiful. So, no, no, no. It is a, it is a area which is so isolated that it is not such a representative of the country. Macedonia <laughs> <laughs> doesn't look like that. Okay. No, no, it's green. Okay. Most of the country is green. <laughs> so, Lubomir, you're a, you're a filmmaker. What's what's your next project you have that you're working on? We're working. I'm working uh, on the developing development of one documentary, maybe two documentaries, one animated film, one uh, comic book. But I'm in very early stages of that. Besides that, Tamara, the other co-director of Honeyland, uh, is uh, is in more more adva- advanced stage of, of with her projects. And she is preparing. She 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 will be ready with her films uh, sooner than me. Lubomir, it's been a delight talking to you about a place that I haven't been to, but I definitely want to visit. And you've whet my appetite for the food of North Macedonia too. Uh, thank you so much for being on Destination Eat Drink. It was a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Thanks for approaching me. I gotta say that was a heck of a treat getting to talk to Lubomir. And he just really whet my appetite for going to North Macedonia. I mean, this whole area of the Southern Balkans I've been wanting to go to for a while, including Albania, North Macedonia, Montenegro, all of that. And I haven't done it. I've only got as far as uh, Slovenia and uh, Croatia. 
Some of you might know that my novel, Truffle Hunt, a lot of it is set in Croatia, inspired from the trip we took 10 years ago now to Croatia. So that's a place, North Macedonia, not on the radar. So when this pandemic ends, this is going to be a cool place to go because I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of Americans in Skopje or in the North Macedonian countryside. Well, that's it for this episode of Destination Eat Drink. Next week, we have a TV travel legend on the show, Joseph Rosendo from the TV show Travel Scope. That's next week on Destination Eat Drink. That'll drop on Friday. Until then, go on over to DestinationEatDrink.com. Lots of info about cool places to travel. And if you click on the blog tab, you'll see that I put up an article on how to make limoncello at home. A lot of us aren't traveling these days. A lot of us are stuck in the house these days. So I thought, why not put up my own recipe for making limoncello and some of the tricks to make a great batch of limoncello? Just go to DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Head tip to you, Ed. Nice work. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask, and I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.